starting a brand new series this morning called Friending. And uh, man, we want to welcome you. Thanks for being here on a Daylight Savings Weekend. We only had a couple people show up an hour early this morning. So if you were planning to come to the 1030 service and you're here at 9, well, good for you. We're not going to single you out. But uh, um, everybody had an extra hour of sleep. So here's what I expect. I expect you to laugh harder at my jokes. I expect you to be hooting and hollering when you're, uh, man, that's a good point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him an amen on that, all right? So I'm expecting a little more lively audience this morning since you had an extra hour of sleep. Those of you parents that have young kids, you're like, I didn't get an extra hour of sleep, all right? Uh, <clears throat> well, welcome. My name is Justin Ross, one of the pastors here at Grace Church, and I'm excited about this series that we're starting today called Friending. And, and uh, for many of you, this has the potential to be the most significant message series of the year. This message series could impact your life for many years to come. You see, we were, we were made for community. We were made for friendship. We were made for relationship. Um, our God that we worship, that we serve, he exists in community. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so he models it for us. We were made for community. The reality is, when you surround yourself with the right friends, it it sets you up, it sets us up for success in every area of our lives that really matters. It sets us up for success. And Uh, the other side of that can be true as well. When you surround yourself with the wrong friends, it can set you up for more pain, more trials, more struggles, and more destruction than I could possibly explain. Friendships, who you allow to influence your life, really, really matters. It's really, really important. Getting our friendships wrong can set us up for a lot of pain and a lot of hardship. As a pastor team here at Grace Church, we've had a lot of really good conversations around this topic of friendship. And I'm excited about this because I think this is relevant to every single one of us, old, young, married, single. Uh, It's really, really important for each and every one of us as we talk about friendship. And as a pastor team, we've had a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion. We've we've prayed about this series And uh, many of the teachings and ideas that I'm going to be sharing with us throughout this series come not only from God's Word, but it comes from the conversations and and, uh, the collaboration of the pastor team here at Grace. So once again, this is an important topic that really affects each and every one of us. So this morning, we're we're talking about the foundation of friendship. If you're building a house, you got to make sure you get the foundation right. you got to make sure it's solid. And so we're going to start with that idea When we talk about friendships, we're going to talk about what the foundation of friendship should look like. And the first thought that I want to share with you is an old but very true saying. And many of you have probably heard this saying. You might have had your parents uh, speak this to you. But this old saying goes like this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me the people you spend the most time with, and I can clearly show you the path of your life. In fact, King Solomon, thousands of years ago, said the exact same thing in a different way. Proverbs 13.20 records the words of the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon. 
And he said, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. In other words, if you hang out with people that are further along than you in in any area of life, any walk of life, they're wiser than you, they're they're smarter than you, their marriage is healthier than yours, they're better with finances than you are, they're a better leader than you are. You spend time with people that are further along than you are, you're going to become like them. You're going to become more like them. You're going to be influenced by them. They're going to make you better. If you hang out with a bunch of idiots, a bunch of knuckleheads, okay, people that are constantly getting into trouble, young people that are in school, okay, this is so important. This is so important. Adults that are adulting, okay, this is so important. You hang around a bunch of knuckleheads, you're going to become a knucklehead. That's how it works. People constantly getting into trouble, they're going to drag you down to where they are. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. As I reflect on my life personally, if if there is any success in my life at all, it is directly tied to God using the right people to lead me to the right kind of thinking and the right kind of action. Any success in my life was directly tied to the influence in my life. I can can trace it right back to the people that were influencing me, that were speaking into my life. On the other side, just like you, when I got into really big trouble, I rarely got into trouble alone. Okay? I rarely got into trouble by myself. Almost every time I was hanging around people who were doing the wrong things and I allowed them to influence me in the wrong direction. Show me your friends and I'll show you your what? A little bit louder. Come on. You had an extra hour of sleep. Come on. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. Nice. All right. Here's what I want us to do. To build on this idea of a foundation of friendship. I want everyone to do this, okay? I want all of you to do this, um, even if you don't want to do it. I want you to do this, okay? I want you to take a moment, and hopefully you got a uh, little bulletin when you came in, a friending bulletin. I want you to take just a moment. If you don't have a bulletin, you can grab an offering envelope. You can use the backside and write on it, okay? Sometimes my boys draw on the backside of those things. Um, And I want you to list your closest friends. List, write down. Come on, everybody. Some of you are looking at me like, I'm not doing this. I'm like, yeah, you are. All right, we're going to, you're going to do this. All right, write down, write down your closest friends. If you don't have a pen, uh, prick your finger, use your blood. I don't know. Do, Do something. Write it down. List your closest friends. And while you're doing this, I just want to remind you, I do this all the time with my boys. When I'm taking them to school, when I'm dropping them off, when we're sitting around the dinner table, um, anytime I I can have some one-on-one time, these are like go-to questions for me. And I say, whichever son I'm talking to, I say, bud, who would you say is your best friend? 
right now? Who's your best friend? Who did you hang around with today at school? Who did you play with at recess? Who did you spend time with? Who would you say are your best friends right now? Because I firmly believe in what King Solomon said, that if they say, Dad, I'm hanging around, you know, Billy, and Billy is just the biggest troublemaker in school, that's a problem. That's a problem. I don't want him to become like Billy if Billy's a big troublemaker. So I ask them questions about who they're spending time with, who they're hanging around, who their friends are. So I want you to list your closest friends. And here's a couple instructions. Don't write down your spouse. You're like, oh, man, I already did that. Don't write down your spouse. Okay, I'm talking about people outside of your family. Um, Don't write down your dog. Okay, that's not allowed. No imaginary friends. Write down the people that you can call at 2 a.m. in the morning. People that you can be transparent with. People that will love you even though they know you. All right? Those are the people that I want you to list. People that really know you and you really know them. Those are the people I want you to write down. I'm talking about your closest friends. And as you're writing the names of your closest friends, I think a question arises. And the question is this. I want, I want you to answer this personally. Don't answer this, parents. Don't answer this for your kids right now, okay? I want you to answer this for yourself. And the question is, is are you hanging around the right people? As you listed down your, your closest friends, are you hanging around the right people? Here, here's, a, here's a tough question. If the saying of King Solomon is really true, like, show me your friends, I'll show you your future... The the next question is, is do you really want to become like those that you're spending time with? If you're like, man, I'm I'm actually going to be influenced by these people, do you want to become like those people that you're spending time with? Or would you look and say, if I really want to please God, maybe, just maybe, I don't have the best influences around me. Like, I, I want us all to just consider that for a moment. I want us to consider the areas of your life. Do you, do you want a good marriage? I think we would say, yeah, yeah, man, I want a good marriage. So are you hanging around people with healthy marriages? Do you want to be stronger financially? Man, I just, I want to I be able to be a good steward of the resources that God has given me. So are you spending any time with people who know how to manage their money? Do you want to be stronger spiritually? Man, I, I just feel like my life is going the wrong path. It's kind of a train wreck. I just want to be stronger spiritually. Are you hanging around people who are strong spiritually? Man, I want to be health, healthier. I, I, I want to get my health on track. I, I just want to take care of my body. Are you hanging around people who are like-minded in that area? Listen, you are going to be influenced by the people that you spend the most time with. That's just how life works. I didn't, I didn't set the laws, okay? That's just how the, the life works. You're going to be influenced by the people that you spend time with. So as you listen to the rest of this message, I want you to listen to it in the light of those people that you listed, in the light of the people that you spend the most time with. So I want you to hold on to that list that you wrote down. We're going to refer to it here in just a moment. But 
I want to first, I want to define friendship. And I want us to use this as a baseline definition for the next few weeks of this series. Um, I think sometimes we could say, what is friendship to you? What is friendship to you? To you? And we could get 15 different answers. And so I'm going to try to define it so we're all working from the same baseline. And I'm going to use scripture to define friendship for us, okay? So I'm going to go back to King Solomon because he's a lot smarter than I am. And so King Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, he says, a friend loves at all times. Man, I don't know about you. I just got chills right there. Like that is probably the best definition of a friend that we could ever imagine. A friend loves at all times, not when it just benefits him or her, not when the friend is doing the right things. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Wouldn't it be amazing if each of us, if you had a handful of friends who loved you at all times? No matter like how broken and how messy and, and, and how not together you have it. Like they just love you in spite of you sometimes. They just love you, period. Not just for a short season of your life, but I'm talking about a friend that loved you for decades. Like just imagine that with me. What if you had friends in your life that loved you for decades? Like friendships, connections, where you end up knowing their spouses and you end up investing in their children. And you're like, Man, friendships where you grow old together and you're still friends and you still love each other at all times. Friendships where there's like cross-pollination spiritually, where you learn from your friend and your friend learns from you. you. You sharpen each other. You make each other better. Friends that love you enough to tell you the truth when you're about to do something stupid. They're, they're, they, they know that it's not going to hurt the friendship if they say, you're about to do something stupid. Like, don't do that. Friends that celebrate with you in the good times and they cry with you in the bad. They're, man, they love you at all times. What if you had a community of people like that where you stayed friends for decades? A friend loves at all times. Now, the problem is, according to sociological studies, very few of us have friends like that anymore. All right, this is kind of where we get into the, maybe the hard part of the message this morning. In fact, according to American Sociological Review, the average American today only has two close friends. And maybe there's some of us, when we listed friends, maybe we wrote down one or two. The average American today only has two close friends, and chances are, when I asked you to write down your closest friends, Many of you probably just wrote down two, one or two. And this may not be alarming. I mean, even I've heard that. It's like, man, you're going to have a lot of friends, but you're really going to have one or two close friends for your life. But I want you to know, like, let's look at history for just a moment. Just two and a half decades ago, okay, just 25 years ago, the average American had six close friends. The same study had six. So in 25 years, in just, in just two and a half decades, our close friendships have been cut on average by a third. 
and no one really seems to notice, no one really seems to care. What's even more scary to me is that nearly 25% of Americans, one out of every four Americans say that they don't even have one single close trusted friend. Not even one. Why are we doing this series? I told you last week, we're starting this series called Friending because I've been hearing from people in Grace Church, man, this is the friendliest church I've ever been a part of, but I'm really having a hard time connecting. I don't really have deep friendships. I don't really have close friendships. I don't know what the stats would be in our church. Boy, wouldn't it be heartbreaking if one out of every four of us said, I don't even have a close friend. The data says that friendships are declining. And so I want to ask a very powerful question, and the question is why? Why is this happening? Why is this happening in our country? And I'm going to venture to say that it, it's, it's happening in our church. There are many reasons, but I'm going to give you the top three reasons according to research, okay? First of all, friendships are declining, number one, because our lives are too busy. Our lives are just so packed full, I don't have time for stinking friends, man. I got stuff to do. I got stuff to get done, and most of it is because of increased work hours. That's why we're struggling with friendships. Modern conveniences were supposed to give us more time, but it may have done just the opposite. Okay, Many of us have increased work hours, and here's, here's um, when I say increased work hours, it, it's really because technolo technology has connected us in a way that we can't leave work. We have our phones, we have our laptops, we're always plugged in, we're always connected, so it's hard for us to stop working. It's hard for us to get away from the office or to stop because, man, I can work at home. I can work at the coffee shop. I can work at the park. I can work when I'm hiking. You know, it's hard to find a place where you're not connected anymore. And so work tends to follow us wherever we go. People are working so much and they're so busy they're not developing relationships. I'm going to take a real quick time out and say, I am guilty of all of this message that I'm talking about. So please, as I'm communicating, don't receive it as I'm pointing the finger because I got three pointing right back at me, all right? But I am trying to expose problems that we all face so that hopefully by God's grace, we can find some God-honoring solutions. Number two, friendships are declining because of the rise of divorce, okay? Studies show that divorces are not only hard on families, they're hard on friendships. So after a divorce, you know, things have to get split. And it happens um, with families, but it also happens with friendships. Friends all of a sudden feel like, oh man, I need to be on his side or I need to be on her side. And so it divides friendships. Number three, this may be the top reason for declining, uh, for the decline of friendships, but friendships are declining because of the social media boom. All right, and uh, everyone that uh, is an older generation said, "Amen." Right? I want to be upfront, and I just want to say right from the get-go that I am not against social media. There's a lot of great uses for social media, and I personally use two different social media platforms to stay connected with people, to stay in touch with friends and family. 
I use Instagram, I use Facebook. So whatever you think about social media, okay, you could hate it, you could love it, you could be addicted to it, maybe you've never even used it. Like whatever you think, I think we all have to acknowledge that social media is redefining how we think about friends and friendships. It has changed the landscape, whether you, whatever you think about it. It doesn't really matter. It's really changed our landscape. For example, years ago, okay, let's say 25 plus years ago, none of us would have even thought about picking up the telephone and calling every friend that we've ever had to tell them what we were eating for breakfast, okay? We would have never even considered that. We would have never even thought that. But now, it's nothing to broadcast the details of our lives to the world, to everyone. We're becoming obsessed with our online image of what people actually think we are. We can control our image. We'll share our thoughts and our hearts and we'll broadcast them in 140 characters or less. And we'll post about how we're feeling or how people can pray for us and we'll take a picture of ourselves, which is it's just a moment in time. Bam! Bam! Just one moment. Snap! And that is the image of what people think is going on in our life. We'll post that picture and then we'll just wait. We'll just sit back and we'll be like, how many likes am I going to get? You know, how many hearts? How many hearts am I going to get? We feel like we're connecting with other people based upon how many likes or how many hearts we get. Again, okay, again, there's nothing wrong with social media. It's a great tool to stay in touch with people. But here's what I, what I want us to catch, all right? Social media needs to be a supplement to relationships, not a replacement. It needs to be a supplement, not a replacement. So often, people are allowing social media to replace the intimacy of relationship. We, we, we end up having people with more likes and more hearts and more followers than ever before, but yet we're more alone than ever before. And so something is missing. Something is not right. Something's broken. And I can't speak for you, but the more I get into social media the more I crave face-to-face, intimate, deeper friendship connection. I can't speak for you, but that's me. The more I get into social media, the more I want to have face-to-face friendship, face-to-face fellowship. Because social media cannot be a replacement. It can only be a supplement. So with our remaining time together this morning, I want to talk about the friend that we need to be to other people. The friend that we need to be. We need to take this personally. This is the foundation of friendship. And so if you're taking notes, hopefully you are, there's two two points that I want to make this morning about friendship. And number one is we need to learn to be present. We need to learn to be present. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, come follow me. 
Come with me on this journey. Come with me. Spend time with me. Hang out with me. Let's talk. Let's eat together. Let's laugh together. Let's go through the good and the bad together. He said, come on, come and follow me. Walk with me side by side and let's be friends. Let's, let's do this, okay? That was the example of Jesus. He was basically saying, let's do life together. Let's journey together. The best way I believe Jesus was saying that I can impart the love of my Father is to be with you and for you to be with me. Now, once again, I am so guilty of this. All right? I'm so busy sometimes that it's like, man, I would love to have them into our home to have a meal together. I would love to go to that birthday party. I would love to spend time with, you know. We, we want it, but it's like, I got too many to-dos. I got too many to-dos. It's a problem. Man, we got to figure this out, church. We got to figure it out so that we have space to be present in each other's lives, to be there for each other. Jesus led the way. Let's be present with one another. The writer of Hebrews says something that has been true throughout history, and I, I believe it couldn't be more prophetic for our time at this moment in history. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. The writer says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Like, let's think of ways that we can encourage one another to do the right thing, to do acts of kindness. When was the last time you got together with your friends? When was it? This is a mirror, by the way. When was the last time you got together with your friends and you said, hey, let's do something significant in the world. Like, let's do something significant in our neighborhood. How can we help serve someone in the name of Jesus? Like, what could we do as friends to, like, man, just show the love of Jesus to our neighbors? Let's spur one another on to love and good works. And then he says in verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Okay, in the, in the Greek, the, the Greek word for meeting together, um, it actually shows up in, in the scriptures only two times. It means to meet physically with a spiritual purpose. And a lot of times people thought, oh, this just means church gatherings. Like, hey, this is what pastors would use to guilt you to come to church on Sundays. It says right there, man, you better not neglect the meeting together. All right, we got church next Sunday and you better be here, you know. And yes, that's important. But I believe it's bigger than that. It's us meeting together in our homes. It's us hanging out together in the mountains, hiking. It's us jeeping together. It's us riding mountain bikes together. It's us serving together. And that's what the writer is saying. Hey, let's, let's not neglect being together. Because that's where real relationships going to be established. That's how we're going to get to know one another. Can I just go out on a limb and say, we're not going to get to know each other during a little meet and greet time on Sunday morning. It's not going to happen. That, that's not how we're going to get to know each other. The way we're going to get to know each other is by spending time together. Spending time together. And then he goes on to say, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now 
that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, there is power in presence. There is power in physical presence, being together. I have to share a quick story with you. This was many years ago, and I was just uh, starting in ministry. I was a very young pastor, and there was a young man in our church who just got married. I mean, just brand new, newlyweds, and he was a raft guide, and he ended up um, drowning on the upper animus. He lost his life. And I had the horrible job of being the first to tell his new bride that her husband was dead. And I have to tell you, I was scared to death. I was trying to think of all the pastor training that I had to say all the right things, and I was a bumbling buffoon, okay? Like, I I didn't know what to say, and I think I was able to just get the words out that your, your husband passed away, he drowned on the upper animus, and that's all I could get out. And as days and weeks went by, I reflected on that, and I said, man, what? why am I even a pastor? Like, I'm, I suck. I mean, I'm no good at, a past, at being a pastor. I'm no good. Like, why am I doing this? I felt like I did just a horrible job. And it was months, maybe even a year or so later, She came to me, and she thanked me. She thanked me for being with her in that moment. In my head, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I was a failure. But she said, thank you for being there. And she also was asking me questions about heaven. And, man, what was her husband experiencing? And what's heaven like? And, you know, and I really believe that she came to me with those questions, and she said, thank you, not because I said such cool pastor words, but because I was there. The power of presence. In church, I'm saying, you, you don't have to have all the right words, but man, just being there with your friends through the good, the bad, and the ugly is so powerful. The power of presence The second thing, if you're taking notes, this is to help us be the friends that we need to be. We need to be present, but secondly, we need to be real. We just need to be real. We need to be who we are, who God has made us to be. Be authentic, be transparent. Now catch this. Did you know that there is a new and uprising phobia? All right? We just got out of Halloween, so I'm like, hey, this will be fun. Let's talk about what people are really scared of these days. There's a new and upcoming phobia that's one of the fastest growing phobias in the world. I don't know. Some of you may know what it is. But the new and upcoming phobia, it's one of the fastest growing phobias, is actually the fear of talking on the telephone. Do you know this? And you laugh, okay, you laugh, but when your phone rings... You let it go to voicemail. Come on, be honest, right? You let it go to voicemail, and you're like, I'm going to talk to him later. I'm going to talk to her later. The reason people are afraid of talking on the phone, this is a real thing. The reason people are afraid of talking on the phone is because they cannot control the direction of the conversation. 
when you text, you have time to think about it, and you can, man, get a thesaurus, and you can look up the right words to say and make sure it's the, man, exact thing that you want to communicate. But when you pick up the phone and you talk with someone, you kind of got to shoot from the hip, and you got to talk on the fly, and people are scared to do that. They'll send it to voicemail, and they will text people back. On the phone, you're not in control because you don't know where the conversation is going to go. You see, what I'm trying to say is people have a hard time sharing their heart. They have a real hard time sharing and communicating who they really are. It's a real thing. Be authentic. Be transparent. And I want to I wanna try to help us. Man, I think many of us could say, I, I have a hard time, you know, connecting. I have a hard time kind of opening up. I have a hard time communicating who I am. So I want to try to give some helps. And James, I think he said it best. In James chapter 5 and verse 16, this is the, the level of being real that the scripture wants us to get to. And this may freak some of you out. But James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. Not to a priest, to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Here, here's, here's another way to say it. We may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. We connect with people with what we're struggling with. We may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. And it's, it's when we're transparent. It's when we're real. It's when we're vulnerable. It's when we drop that online persona and we say, here's what I'm going through. Like, here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I'm struggling with in my marriage. Here's the temptation that I battle on a daily basis. Here's the addiction that I struggle with every second of the day. Here's who I am. And then the person that we're talking with says, wow, like I, I actually struggle with that too. And there's this connection now. We connect with our weaknesses. And suddenly we start to connect and we have a deeper relationship because of our weaknesses. One, one other story I wanted to share with you to kind of help this idea was we had a, a couple in our church, this was many years ago, but they, uh, um, they modeled this idea of being transparent. And this husband and wife, they were able to communicate and connect with many of us, but um, they opened up about some of the struggles that they had personally, struggles with homosexuality, struggles with uh, sexual addiction, struggles with um, different areas of their life, and, and they we're able to open the door in our church for other people to say, gosh, I, I actually struggle with some of those same things. I, I struggle with some of those same temptations. And because this couple led the way, and it was like extremely vulnerable, like where I was going, wow, that took some guts, that took some courage to be that vulnerable. But God used that vulnerability to open up doors in our church and other people's lives to get help that they need, to, to be able to confess sin that they had been bottled up, you know, for years and years. Man, God used that vulnerability to open up the door of being real in our church like nothing else did. 
Like a thousand sermons wasn't opening the door, but because someone was authentic and real about what they were going through, it allowed other people to be real about what they were facing. You see, there's power in being transparent because people connect through weaknesses. I want to close this morning by sharing just a a couple powerful one another verses. I call these one another verses. This is from our pastor team. We're kind of big on the one another verses in scripture. But I want to read these with you and then we'll close in prayer and finish up this morning. But John 13, verse 34, the instruction is given to love one another. Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another. Romans 5, 7 says, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Romans 15, 14 says to instruct one another. Galatians 5, 13 says, serve one another in love. Ephesians 4, 2 says, bear with one another in love. Ephesians 4, 32, um, sorry, that last one was Ephesians 4, 2. This one is Ephesians 4, 32. Forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. And just uh, maybe we can start practicing this next one as a church. Romans 16, 16 says, greet each other with a holy kiss. All right. Uh, I just thought I would throw that in to get some cheap laughs. All right. And it worked. (laughs) Oh, geez. Okay. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. We are dealing with the topic of unfriending. You may say, I am kind of surrounded with the knuckleheads like you were talking about. How in the world do I step away from that? And so we're going to talk about unfriending and how to do that biblically and to do it well. Um, The the week after that, we're going to talk about what friendship isn't, what friendship is not, and then we're going to end with barriers to friendship. And once again, our hope as a pastor team, is that this series encourages you to be the friend that you need to be. And it helps us as a church to not just be the friendliest church in town, but to be the most connected and the the church that has the the deepest friendships in town, all right? Man, we want to bear with one another. We want to love one another. We want to serve one another. We want to accept one another. We want to forgive one another. And uh, I may... I'm not going to greet you with a holy kiss. All right. (laughs) Let me close in prayer.